With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. NowJobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Some podcasts do it for the fun. Some do it for the fame. Chad and Cheese, they do it for global effing domination. That's right. Bringing America to its knees was just the beginning. Now, they have their eyes set on conquering Europe. And they've drafted industry veteran Levan von Neuerhauser of Belgium to help them navigate the old country and bring HR's most dangerous podcast across the pond to trash talk like never before. Not safe for work in any language. The Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. Oh, yeah. Greece is burning. Scientists now say a doomsday variant of COVID may be on the way. And Sweden lost to Canada in women's football. Do they even play soccer in Canada? Let's forget all that and get numb, everybody. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Ish Liebe Angela Cheeseman. And I'm Chad. Is that golden hello? So wash. Still just leaving Van Ewenhausen. And on this episode, Cornerstone wants a little privacy. Why recruitment has a crawling problem. And Adeco makes Levin want to declare war on Switzerland. Don't worry. It'll make sense in about 30 minutes. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence with innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. Who's our mystery guest? Who's the mystery oh, guest? All right. Our mystery. Oh, shit. Peepers. Motherfucker. <laughs> hey. How apt. Chad's been waiting for that to be put on the show. To be fair, when I am your mystery guest, that's pretty spot on. She, 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 oh, wow. She's a dog. No, I'm not going to say that. She's an Aussie living in London. She shares a birthday with Chad, and she's the author of The Robot Proof Recruiter. <laughs> She is, if you haven't guessed it already, Katrina Collier. Hello, hello. Hi, Katrina. Hi. So is everyone enjoying the Olympics now that it's over? <laughs> yeah. Did anyone watch? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. I said I wasn't going to, and I found myself watching. And also, did you watch the uh, Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart like vignettes? We couldn't see that in Europe. It was it was banned from Europe. I find I'm a bit conflicted though, because you know I'm Australian, but I live in England, so I'm not like, oh, do I go for Australia or Britain? So I just tend to not watch. 
You can go for both. Why can't you go for both? Unless they're playing each other, then, I mean, you know, nah. whoever yeah, wins, pick a, you're pick a winner. A yeah. Nah. So, so some stats out of the U.S., which is why yeah. we brought this up. So 60% of U.S. adults said they hadn't watched much or any of this summer's games. Mm-hmm. Just 34% of baby boomers say they've been watching, which means if old people aren't watching, holy hell. And we politicize <laughs> everything in our country which means 55% of Republicans have said they're watching less of this year's games with about one in four citing contempt for athletes or politics. Sounds like Europe's not watching, but maybe for different reasons. Why aren't we watching? I, I say it was the pandemic. It just says, oh, look, there's an Olympics. Where'd that come from? And then there, were, there was no audience and there was no atmosphere. And maybe that's why. So here, here in the U.S., there's generally like a station you can watch and it's like Olympics 24-7. But it mm-hmm. seems like they, it was like skipping and jumping all over the different channels. And Peacock had content, which is pretty much where I got all my stuff. I could stream wherever I wanted. But it's like you didn't know where to watch it. Could, could you could you actually nail down a place in yeah. Europe to watch it? The British Broadcasting Commission, the BBC, of ah, course. Ah, okay. BBC does all the good shit, right? Yeah, except it kind of ruined my lunch because I like to watch The End of Bargain Hunt and they moved that to BBC Two and I had to remember that. It was quite a drama. In in leaving, you just didn't give a shit, did you? I forgot about it. I was busy working, working, working. What would be like Belgium's stronghold in the Olympics? What's its like? We had three gold medals, you know? Uh, What? Yeah, I forgot. Uh, One for... I'm pretty sure it was three, but one for some gymnast, I think. One for oh, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> well, Case in point, nobody watches the Olympics anymore. Yes. That's sad. I do have to say, though, Great Britain actually had an exceptional games with 22 gold medals, 21 Whoa. silver, and 22 bronze. Yes. Thank you, Google. U.S. kicked everyone's ass and no one watched. Yeah, uh, hang on. There are 60 million of us and there's like 300 and something million of you lot. So to be fair, we did quite well. You only got 39 gold, considering how many people you have. That's like kind of lame. You're such a Brit. You've left, you've <laughs> left Australia. Hang on. Where's this? Australia's got 17 and there's only bloody 25 million of us. Yeah. Joel, Joel forgets that of, you take a look at Europe, right? It's got a bunch yeah. of countries in it. Uh, yeah. So just, four, just four, four countries, Great Britain, Germany, Netherlands, and France had mm. 171 total Mm. medals and yeah. 52 gold so that was mm-hmm. four of those pretty much european yeah. states right where we had 113 and 39 so as joel being the chest thumping american that he always is <laughs> we actually got our ass handed to us yeah well if we're if we're talking with that math then jamaica kicked everyone's ass that's fine that's I'm the happy with that. stupidest fucking comment i've ever heard <laughs> Actually, when you look at it, then China had a really shocking games, didn't they? 38 gold against 1 billion people. Yeah, that, they suck. Yep. <laughs> anyway, moving the on. Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. We've spent five minutes on the Olympics. Let's keep going. Thanks to Rika Copens. Is that how you say it, Levin? Copens? Oh, you can say it like that. I can't. I can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so thanks, Rika, for joining us last week on the show. We appreciate you uh, uh, providing some some in-depth understanding of M&A in Europe, funding, all that other fun stuff, uh, while, we sat, while we sat back and took notes. Yeah, her English is better than ours, by the way. That's is, not saying much. Which is nice. Her English is so much better than mine. And it shouldn't be. There's no reason why it should be better than mine, but it is. <laughs> That's probably why she is CEO and I'm only CDO. <laughs> Bingo, baby. There it is. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to French President Emmanuel Macron. Macron. For, his, for vaccine mandates, baby, people yes. in France now need to show a health pass Fuck yes. to enjoy usually routine activities such as sipping a coffee in a cafe or traveling on an inner city train. Obviously, there's a lot of pushback on this from the uh, French folks. But I'm all for it. Shout out to uh, Macron. I have a question. You can have your two jabs, and two weeks after you've had your two jabs, you're 60% protected against the Delta variant. So why are they forcing it on everyone? Well, get a real fucking vaccine in Europe. That would help. Yeah. We have, yeah. I, stop I did. The, stop the AstraZeneca garbage. Get some Pfizer and <laughs> Moderna in your arms. <laughs> it's still the same, my it's, lovely. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. It not even close. America really? is the home of the best vaccines that we're not taking. Uh, That's a good point. That yeah, we're not taking. <laughs> God, that's funny, but it's fucking not funny. It's a shame. Yes, it is a shame. Uh, no, so the mandates from from a country standpoint is something that the U.S. won't do. Uh, we'll will force or we'll will try to leverage companies to do it to mandate for employees. What do you think is going to happen in Europe with uh, the the other countries? Do you think they'll they'll follow or they'll just kind of no no? There's 44 countries in Europe. They're okay. just—they're all culturally really, really different. Well, I didn't mean all of them. Did you think some? Do you think some of them will? Germany think- will. Britain won't because the French did. <laughs> you're not English. Or sorry, you're not European anymore. You left us. So. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh. I still am in Europe. I'm just unfortunately, heartbreakingly, not part of the EU. <laughs> And believe me, I feel devalued. As a divorced woman with an Australian and a British passport, I have yeah. been devalued down to six countries from a ridiculous number. I'm Ouch. devalued, personally, personally. So let's not talk about Brexit. Which ones will? <laughs> Which ones will? The civilized will, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Germany, the no. Scandinavian countries. Yeah, of course. Netherlands, Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Sure. If, yeah. Where does it stop, though? I'm just Where playing does- devil's advocate, by the way. I have double jabs and I still wear a mask. Stops with America and the UK. No, but where does it stop? If you're going to mandate the vaccine for, say, work, where does it stop? Oh, you've got to have your yellow fever. You've got to have your dengue fever. What else? Like, what else? It depends on what you're susceptible to and where you're at. We don't have malaria not- here in the US, right? So we don't have to get yeah. our malaria shots. Although when I went to Central America, I had to get a fucking malaria shot. So here's the thing that I think is important that we need to all understand as human beings. This isn't about your fucking freedom. This is about the safety of others, right? Mm-hmm. This has Agreed. nothing to do with you and your goddamn freedom. So quit being an asshole. Take the goddamn <laughs> jabs, right? Yellow fever is painful. <laughs> The Jackson jab, no? Okay. And by the way, I don't think we're talking, we're not talking, we're not talking about like, I don't think they're talking about forced shots. They're saying, if you don't have this, you can't sip your, your wine at a cafe and smoke your cigarettes. So they're, they're basically making it like, if you can't do that in France, what's the point of living? So they're basically just saying like, you can't do that anymore. Yes. Uh, but they're not saying, Hey, the, the, the shop police are coming through your town tomorrow and be out 
to get a shot. So I'm not sure it's the same as mandating it. It's just saying you can't do these things you enjoy. That's super clever. And France are just going to strike. Yeah. And, and they'll burn Macron, things. Macron is going to tell them you need a vaccine passport if you want to strike, and then they'll get a passport to strike. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's our work. There, there you go. There you go. Oh, uh, shout out to Golden Hellos. Uh, employers are what? offering sign-on fees of up to 10,000 pounds to tempt what they call gold dust applicants as more than 1.1 million jobs in the UK remain unfilled. The hefty fees emerged after a survey by job search engine and beer drop sponsor Adzuna found almost 5,000 vacancies across the UK currently offering sign-on bonuses for in-demand roles such as care workers, chefs, and nursery staff. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Germany has finally gotten a foothold in England. I don't know yeah. if you guys knew this, but not not with Stukas and Messerschmitts, <laughs> but with food delivery company Delivery Hero acquiring oh, wow. a 5% stake in the UK-based Deliveroo. Mm-hmm. We in the US are more familiar with names like Grubhub and DoorDash, but the European market is a hotbed for food delivery, which means the Germans are looking to take over. Any thoughts from the... Hey. Can I give a little story that relates sure. to the two things you just said? Please. Uh, so one of the things you said was in short, oh, one of, sorry, one of the things, one of the skills in short supply are chefs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just yeah. said that, golden hello, 5,000, yep. 10,000, whatever. It, why does that remind me of some weird thing you do with pay? But anyway, I got an Uber driver who used to manage a restaurant who went, ugh, I've had this great time during the whole furlough thing. I've realized I didn't know who my child was. I'm not working in the restaurant anymore. But he goes, I know six chefs who now drive for Uber Eats, Deliveroo, and all of those and earn twice the money that they used to, so they're not going back. So maybe we should just pay people properly. Twice the twice as much yes. as they earned as a chef? Yeah. That's just fucked up. doing deliveries. Mind you, to be fair, very few people are eating restaurants, so they're all getting deliveries. But you're kind of going, there was already a shortage of chefs before the pandemic went down. So maybe we should pay people properly, and I know that's close to Chad's heart. Yeah, oh. that's a topic near and dear to Chad's heart. Let's get to topics. Oh! All right, we're going to rehash uh, Indeed. Yay. Moving off its cost per click model and moving toward a cost per apply start model, which we're calling CPAS, whether they like it or not. We've talked about it on the show. Chad, anything to add? I know we want to get the Europeans' opinion on Indeed's move. Yeah, I actually reached out to uh, a bunch of different contacts in Europe about this because I know the U.S. market much different than the European market, especially when it costs, we're talking about CPC, performance-based advertising, that kind of stuff. And here's one of the quotes, quote, focusing on hires is crazy in Europe because 1% of companies can actually do it. All you're essentially doing is moving the success factor into a realm which is largely untrackable and unreportable, end quote. So when we're when we're looking at Europe, again, I, I don't know what the impact is. I know what we're going to be seeing impact here in the U.S., but what's the, the, the European impact look like? If I was to go with my gut instinct on that, mm-hmm. I'd firstly be thinking, do people actually apply for jobs? I guess that's because I tend to work in the space where people have skills that are in demand and don't. Uh, And secondly, do they then do it via Indeed? And thirdly, what about the candidate experience? Keep in mind they don't have to apply. They just have to start. 
the apply. But I thought you said they were like behind a almost, I'm going to say a firewall because I'm so not technical, but behind they had to put in their details to get through the, isn't that like making it just like another hurdle? It's a little black box-ish, 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 box-ish. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little, it's a little confusion in the market, Katrina. We're trying to figure Mm. it out. Yeah, where uh, a candidate has to at least uh, go through the partial registration process on Indeed before they can go Mm. get to the applicant tracking system to apply there, right? So you have that hoop that you have to jump through. Yeah. So, you know, that could be kind of like a wall that some individuals don't want to go through, especially if they haven't already registered with Indeed. Exactly. It just sounds like another obstacle to hiring. Gosh, we love putting obstacles in the way of an applicant applying. Sounds like more money in Indeed's pocket to me. Mm, As well. Less trackable uh, option. It's it's pretty, pretty intelligent, I think. In what respect? You have to apply on Indeed before yeah. you actually get to apply on the hiring company site. So yep. they get all the candidates. And if you don't finish your application at the hiring company site, Indeed will be able to find something else for you. You so, really think that's what Indeed is going to do? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed's well, going to make more money that's yeah. less trackable. They're going to they're going to get away from the cost per click thing, which is programmatic, which is is being commoditized, right? So they're getting away mm-hmm. from the the cost per click thing, which you can check. Didn't you said that on your other show, didn't you? Correct. You like detecting fraud in that is easier than the apply thing. And to Levin's point, they're going to get more data get more profiles in their database. Mm-hmm. So they really win. I mean, I agree. I agree with Levin that this is pretty smart um, by them. It's also kind of douchebaggy, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you can be douchebaggy and smart at the same time, I guess. Exactly. And uh, indeed has excelled in douchebaggery uh, ever since Google for jobs launched. For the European audience, what does douchebag mean? Wanker. There you go. Wanker. Yeah, okay, wanking is fun, so douchebagging is fun also. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show, everybody. We're oh, done. <laughs> oh, that is so not what that means. I've just Googled it. Shifting gears now. Total new word for me. I know. People I'm learning. Douchebaggery. There you go. One for the Europeans. Douchebaggery. And, and the ones who Why claim to speak always English. Have to do with female private parts? Anyway. Moving on. And that's another show, <laughs> Katrina. We'll we'll do that one after this Next episode. Time. Well, let's go. Let's get on to uh, just crawling in general. Indeed, seems like a nice segue about that. So, an article from Two Talent on crawling the web caught our attention this week. Author Jasper Spaniart digs into the issue, accusing certain job sites, not necessarily all, of uh, doing uh, behaving badly, including things such as holding job seekers hostage, making them put. Uh, input an email address to even view a job, for example. A uh, second way is keeping uh, job uh, jobs online that have long been filled. Uh, and three, actually changing the job text, making it more click-worthy. This kind of shit has long been a pain in the ass of our industry uh, and might be why so many people are rooting for Google for jobs to save us. How do you guys think about crawling the web. Some of us are a little bit more bullish on it than others. For my non-digital brain, just to check, this is where sites like LinkedIn go to a career site, scrape off the job, and suddenly it appears on LinkedIn in a really shitty format. Yeah. Google's the best example. Google crawls the web, you search yep. Google, and they give you results. So that's, they don't that's, screw up the formatting. Um, right. Correct. Right. right. But other sites, not LinkedIn, because we know LinkedIn doesn't do this, are holding people hostage. That's what yes. you're saying. 
Yeah. But that's scumbag, isn't it? Well, is, why has everyone got it in for these poor job seekers? Well, and again, you must register in Money. many cases just to be able to see the job, which is what we were just talking about with LinkedIn. Yeah. And then Joel was talking about uh, adding Indeed. more info to the to the opening, which wasn't on the original posting in its, itself, mm. like salary. And that's something that mm-hmm. Indeed mm. and, other, and other sites do. And then keeping the jobs open when they're already closed. So you have all this click bait that's out there uh, to be able to, again, draw more candidates in, uh, which is, again, I mean, it, it's yeah. this is running very parallel to how Indeed is doing business. Not saying that they're they're keeping jobs open, but they're really trying to mm. get uh, get that candidate on their site so that you have to spend money over and over. Yeah. So again, for the Europeans, Google for jobs, the blue box at the top, which clears out search and duplication and I personally think is wonderful. Is that what Are we're we? talking about? No. No, no, just explain what Google for jobs is, just it full stop. Because there'll be people here that don't have it in their country because it's not in every country. So I'm assuming at Google and and where you live, you can search restaurants and it will show you actual reviews and uh, so or or travel information. They'll give you flights. And so it's basically what's what's referred to as a vertical search. So you're searching a certain vertical Mm -hmm. could be news. News was their first one. It could be other things like that. So jobs is basically Google taking the actual job description and presenting it to users. Whereas before they would just present websites, i.e. job boards that had certain searches based on what you search Google for. So it's Google's attempt to show job descriptions as opposed to just sites that have the jobs. So we've had it in the UK for ages, but not every country in Europe has it. Uh, By now, I think we do. do. Uh, Belgium was one of the last companies and we launched it, I think, two years ago in November somewhere. Cool. Um, I've always been a big fan of Google for Jobs, it's and I still am, cool. even though they could improve it, but uh, they will be improving it. But I'd like to say something about uh, the crawling part, just to explain. I'm going to tell a little story how I got in touch with crawling 10 years ago. I was working for USG People, which is called RGF Staffing now, and we had a bunch of offices, and suddenly I got some complaints about people saying those offices of yours are spreading vacancies which don't exist and i didn't get one or i got several of those complaints so i got on it and i called the offices what are you doing hey but leave we're definitely not doing this we've got plenty of work why should we be be spreading jobs which don't exist and i said okay this makes sense so i looked further and apparently 10 12 years ago uh, it was not indeed it was um, career jets scraped all our company sites without, yeah. without us knowing it and suddenly those jobs went live. And the moment we had a new job, they saw it and they put it live. But the moment our job was filled, they didn't notice and they just kept it there because they don't want the best database. They want the biggest database. The more data, the more traffic, the more money. So in the end, I, I called, uh, it was simply hired. No, it was CareerJet. And I, asked, I explained my problem and they said, okay, uh, no worries. We'll stop the scraping. But I said, no, I mean, I see we've got a few thousand visitors a day in those days. Can't you just notice when I've got a filled in vacancy, when I put it out of my database, can you, can't you just remove it from yours? Sure we can. Okay, perfect. But then it will cost you 10 cents per click. <laughs> People, just to get it straight, so you make my life miserable until I pay. It's, it's extortion. Oh, you can't see it like that. Yes, of course I see it like that. But in the end, for only 10 cents per click, I was on top of Google, which was less expensive than Google AdWords. So we... 
agreed. And that's the way they started making money. Extortion and it worked. <laughs> and that was how many years ago? 10 years ago? 10, 12 years, something like that. And now everybody's doing it. Yeah. And I mean, part of it too. So that was definitely a strategy that people use, but now I think it's, it's gone downstream to where it's collecting the jobs, putting a really clickbaity description or title on the job, mm-hmm. promoting it, you know, feeding it into Google for jobs, which fortunately they're doing a better job or going to be doing a better job of, of filtering that out. But then before you can even see the job, we want your data, right? And then once they mm-hmm. have your data, they can spam you a shit and sell your sell stuff. I mean, some of them, you know, they prey on desperate people uh, that are unemployed who will give you information about their how much they make, uh, their address, uh, maybe even social security number in some cases. So they're feeding off the desperation and it's really the crawling issue has really gotten bad. Um, and that's kind of why we, we thought it was worth talking about. And people are obviously blogging about it and talking about it. On a good light, though, we're hoping that the new Google for Jobs guidelines where they will penalize organizations for this kind of Tom fuckery will uh, will 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 stifle a lot of it. We're hoping that it depends on what the upside is on the last show. Levin talked about getting a 19 percent rise in traffic out of Google for jobs. Hopefully others are seeing that and they're afraid to lose it. So on on a happy, hopeful note, hopefully Google for jobs will fix this shit. Yeah, I don't think anyone of us of us disagree that search is a bad thing, right? There's a reason mm-hmm. why Indeed succeeded because they put all the jobs in one place. Mm-hmm. The problem is, like when you're successful, it breeds the douchebaggery of the web, <laughs> and this is uh, mm-hmm. happening here. The, the 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 thing is, once once we clear it in search, it'll just go over to social media somehow. Um, scraping is here to stay. I mean, it's not only stra- scraping of vacancies by job boards, it's also scraping of CVs by tech-savvy recruiters. Yeah. And that's been happening forever too, yes. Yeah, I actually just interject here. I, I was talking to somebody who knows sort of LinkedIn pretty well, works for a sourcing company, sourcing business, and they're convinced that LinkedIn right now is is sort of aware that they can't control companies or, or agents scraping profiles from LinkedIn. They can do as much as they can to stop it. But their their strategy now is to scare the users of LinkedIn. So if they see that your account is sort of automated and doing stuff, they, uh, they want to make you scared yeah. to use sourcing tools that are automated. They want to make you scared about losing your uh, LinkedIn account. So that's sort of their strategy now. And that's how they're going to tackle, tackle that issue. Yeah, but those... Those automate, automation tools aren't stupid as well. So pretend to be human. So let's say I want to scrape all the profiles from LinkedIn, from engineers. I do a search, I get a list, and then it will open a profile for 15 seconds, then 23 seconds, then 47 seconds. So it's constantly changing. So LinkedIn has a hard time detecting it's actually a robot. Yeah. So like LinkedIn recently put in a limit to 100 uh, connection requests a week. Good. And they look at things like if, if you're automating a tool to like scrape to get mass amounts of URLs of profiles, like that's a trigger. They're getting better about um, detecting that. But yeah, I mean, uh, people are going to try to be one step ahead of LinkedIn, but they're doing what they used to want to like send to cease, cease and desist letters and hope that all the companies that did it went away and they didn't. So now it's like, let's scare the hell out of people, uh, individual users. A lot more recruiters that I know are getting warning uh, warning messages from LinkedIn. 
I don't think the 100 LinkedIn connection request limit is a bad thing, though. No. It's because no. there's but- so much spam on there. It's like, yeah, so now you've only, you can only send like 20 a day. So Right. And LinkedIn fortunately can do that. If we go back to crawling the web for jobs, like most employers aren't going to uh, detect crawlers and, and slap them around from taking content. So that's a much no. harder thing to do. If LinkedIn can police LinkedIn because you're yeah. on LinkedIn. It's much more difficult. Yeah, but there's a low high queue case in 2019, it was, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah. Still outstanding. Think said something about um, the people owning drone data, and LinkedIn has not got the right to block it to scrapers or something like that. It's hard not to play devil's advocate on that because LinkedIn did the work to build up that database. So much as we all use it to recruit for more to sell on or to market on that kind of a thing. I mean, I just feel we should be paying them something for that privilege. Sure. Definitely both sides. I think I see both sides as well. But I think legally, LinkedIn is going to have a hard time putting people out of business who are who are crawling and gathering information that's publicly accessible. For sure. Uh, and and the gist of LinkedIn is for you to to promote yourself, right? Mm. Like no one no one goes on LinkedIn. I don't think just to be on LinkedIn. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. All right, more news out of ADECO. This one gets leaving all fired up. News out of Switzerland. ADECO has agreed to buy, is it AKKA or ACA? I'm not sure. I think ACA. Okay, we'll go with ACA. ACA Technologies in a deal worth 2 billion euros. For our American listeners, that's about $2.4 billion. This is the biggest deal in the Swiss staffing company's 25-year history. Ooh. The acquisition of the Belgium-based ACA Levin's backyard, by the way, will make ADECO the world's largest provider of temporary staffing by revenue, overtaking Dutch rival Ronstadt. ADECO's all-cash offer for €49 per share represents a premium of 115% to its share price. Uh, This one looks like an eye to the future with ADECO CEO Alan DeHaze saying, quote, Almost all industries have to transform their products into smart and connected products. All of them have to be re-engineering and reinvented, end quote. So, Levin, Adeco just wanted to really annoy the hell out of you, right? Yeah, we just had Rika on the show, being proud about our fifth acquisition. And then just to annoy us, they launched a press release. They're going to buy a $2 billion company. <laughs> oh, hell no. It's a bit childish. <laughs> Engineering consulting is big business. I mean, it has high margins, margins, mm. sustainable. It's a good thing. They have a very nice geographic spread now together with, um, they're going to combine it with uh, Modis. So 50% in Europe, 30% in the Americas, 20% Japan, Australia. It's pretty well spread. So that's a good stuff. But they did pay a lot, I think. And I i didn't do any due diligence, of course, but uh, I just read the newspaper. They paid about... Twice the stock market value per share with, in the end, the shares from Adeco going down with 17%. So the shareholders weren't very enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. So 
everyone agrees it's very expensive, but it's a very good business. So uh, the future will show if it was a well-spent $2 billion or not. But then again, they have $28 billion of revenue, dollar that is, so they can spend a lot. This is a long-term play though, right? I mean, this, yeah. this, whole, this whole segment itself is going to do nothing but grow. True. Yeah. So it's, it's a good investment, I think, but they did pay a lot, so it will take many years before it will be. Yeah. So Levin, you, you don't have to say whether you guys were part of this or not, but uh, at 115% premium, it sounds like a lot of companies were vying for this deal. Was any any information for where you are in terms of what companies might have been trying to get in on this deal? Because it sounds like more than just a deco was looking to get in. Well, Cause of HR is a two billion revenue company, and this is a two billion acquisition. So this was out of our league, but uh, I think only Randstad and um, Adeco are big enough to do something like that. Maybe Manpower, Kelly Service, I'm not sure. I didn't know a thing about this. It was a total surprise for everyone. So I guess it was really on the hush-hush. But uh, yeah, yeah I, not many companies can afford an acquisition like this. So, so maybe, no word that other companies were sort of uh, dealing the, tr- the price up higher. I'm going to check with our M&A specialist if he heard something. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know next time. Sounds good. I didn't hear anything. No. Yeah, I can. I can only imagine that uh, a Ronstadt. I mean, there there are only maybe a handful of organizations who could have even been in the conversation in the first place. But obviously, somebody was because paid a hell of a lot over asking, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Mauro Ricci or Rishi, It's an Italian name, I think. Mm-hmm. The founder of Aka. He's now going to be the special advisor to Alanda Haza, so he'll still get a well-paid job. But I'm sure his friends will be calling in a Rich Ricky. Uh, <laughs> he was a founder of Akka, so he'll be the one paying for the drinks next party. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a lot of starving people out of this no. deal. No. Interesting move. I mean, I think from a company's perspective, as far as having one place they can go to to get staff, it sounds mm-hmm. quite enticing with all the different employment laws across Europe, even though it's one EU, I think it could be quite interesting. Yeah. A lot of con- consolidation going on over in Europe, which leads us to our next story. Uh, Cornerstone On Demand, which helps companies to recruit, train, and manage their employees, recently announced private equity firm Clear Lake Capital Group LP would take the cloud computing and management software provider private for about $3.8 billion. Uh, Cornerstone shareholders will get $57.50 per share in cash, a premium over 15%, much less than the 115 in our previous story, to the stock's last close. The deal, which is expected to close in the second half of this year, has an enterprise value of about $5.2 billion. Though it's headquartered in California, Cornerstone has a huge footprint all over the world and especially in Europe. I've got a comment from Bill Borman on this one. So his quote is, where it's going is quite specific. Top of funnel activity and spend, about 200 times that of a tech spend, is shifting to deployment within the applicant tracking system and on a job by job basis. So more transactional than anything else. This includes services like agency and RPO becoming the channel they can secure about 20% of the revenues and the captured data builds better recommendation engines. So this to me is a, a data play, but also a recruitment marketing, or at least Bill saying this is a recruitment marketing, a top of funnel play, which Cornerstone really doesn't have right now. Yeah. And 
with all that data pushing into Cornerstone, which they obviously house, they will be able to grind on that much better than than anybody else out there. My my big question is, what does Cornerstone really do well? So I think what they do well uh, is the getting capital. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as part of it, yes. So I think the the upskilling training part of it um, is is important part important piece of this news. I mean, my my take initially was how how many companies that go private is it a is it a good story? Like how many companies that either PE or someone comes in. Uh, we talk about obviously Monster and Career Builder as examples of private uh, funds coming in, but I think that these guys going private um, is a positive because I think it'll give them more flexibility to be out of the public markets mm-hmm. to grow and, and invest in R and D as well as go potentially on an acquisition spree. I think Josh Burson uh, was really bullish on this uh, news, and, and his, his quote from his blog post was quote. Companies are heavily investing in recruiting tools, employee experience tools, and all kinds of upskilling, training, and organizational development solutions. And the delayed end of the pandemic, thanks Delta, um, is making the market more hotter than it's ever been. Um, So to me, this is sort of pandemic-driven part money going into training and engagement with with employees, which makes the cost what it was for, for Cornerstone. How much do you think Josh Burson is paid to be a Muppet for Cornerstone? He used to be Deloitte, so a lot, I think. I did not see a disclosure statement on the blog post. So Yeah. So uh, again, what, what Bill was talking about was something that Cornerstone doesn't do well today. And they do LMS well. Them and Saba, Saba are the ones, and they bought Saba, yeah. uh, are the ones who really did LMS well. They jumped into content, recruiting, talent management, and just a bunch of different areas to, to create this massive quote unquote ecosystem, which to be quite frank, I think it was more of a play for a total addressable market when you're looking for these types of moves mm-hmm. because they didn't do any of that shit well. There aren't many players that do. So to in Cornerstone's defense, everybody says they do it. Most people don't do it well. The big question is, will they be able to take this new flexibility and start to really focus on these areas and do it well? Chad, do you think it's more of a old school private equity play where they're going to chop the thing up and bleed it, bleed it to death? I would have. The problem is, or the opportunity is, look at the market. This is the time right now where you can sell the shit out of these types of products, whether they're great or not. Because yeah. the the job market is so fucking flush, right? So companies are like, I need the new newest, I need the best, I need the greatest. Well, if you already have an installed group of people who are paying you and all you want to do is increase wallet share, yeah. this is what you do. So I, I would have normally said, yeah, they're just going to chop this bitch up, but not now. I mean, look, successful public companies don't generally go private. They go private because they're not that great. <laughs> and so they need to get off the public markets and re, retool and, and re, regroup. So yeah, I, I, I'm open to that. But normally, I would have my knee jerk was like, this is a bad thing for Cornerstone. They're going to be they're going to be sucked dry. I don't agree. I think they're doing pretty well. And I think some private equity company has done its homework. Mm-hmm. And uh, thought they are undervalued. We're going to buy them off. We're going to make more out of them. We're going to keep them for five years and we're going to sell them afterwards. Well, I definitely think by most accounts, Cornerstone is the largest or definitely one of the largest sort of learning tech companies out there. So 
if learn if that is a is a hot sector and they're one of the biggest, that usually is a good sign. But again, this is about a wallet share conversation. This is about expansion into those other areas to be able to to hit that total addressable market. And what Bill was talking about is I I think outside of what they do today. It'll be interesting. I'm always Let's thank Katrina for joining us. <laughs> thank you. On our show. Always fun to be the what was I the Yeah, I said that one, didn't I? Oh yeah. I'm such an I'm such an asshole. What a dick. Yeah. What, you'll come back on the show though, right? I don't know. <laughs> Leaving as always, it's been fun. Boys and girls, another European show in the books. We out. We out. We out. Thanks, kids. Thank you for listening to What's it called? A podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.